Welcome to Language on Purpose with linguist, teacher, consultant, and veteran language learner, Mary Lynn Kinberg. And here's your host for today's show. Today we welcome to the show a very special young woman who's a linguist and a mom of three. She's currently learning a minority language in the jungles of South America. Hey, Melissa, welcome. Hi there. Thanks for joining me in my Zoom room. You work in South America, but you're not in South America right now. So tell us where you are and what you're doing. Sure. Yeah, we're currently in Canada, in British Columbia. And I just finished my my master's in linguistics at Trinity Western University um, here. Well, Melissa, congratulations on your MA. Of course, I'm really good friends with your mom, as you know. And she let me listen to your speech at graduation. You were truly awesome, and that's an awesome accomplishment. Yeah, thank you. Melissa, you grew up in Brazil, so you Mm -hmm. already knew Portuguese, right? Yes, yeah, that's right. Well, before you tell us about your language learning context uh, with a tribe in South America, I would like to know what you thought about learning this language before you left. What did you think that might look like for you? Sure. Yeah. I, I guess before I started out, I think I thought it would look a lot like what I practiced in studying language learning. I think I had pretty optimistic expectations about what I might be able to accomplish and probably slightly unrealistic as well. <laughs> Well, how did that change once you got to the field? Yeah, once I got to the field, I, I learned what was more um, realistic and what to expect of myself considering the circumstances. Well, how old were your children when you arrived? Well, when we got to Brazil in 2014, Talia was just two years old. And then Caleb was, I was pregnant with Caleb, our second and he was born in a big city in the south of Brazil where we, were, we went to a, a language school to kind of brush up on our Portuguese because um, it had been a while since we'd spoken and, and we'd just spoken it as kids. And so while we were doing that, he was born. And then he was just eight months old when we were allocated to our ministry location, which was in north Brazil. And so he was just 10 months old when we went into the village for the first time. Well, tell us about your language learning context. Yeah. So we lived, you know, in an access town and we're there. And then it's about a half an hour uh, flight by missionary plane into the village. And the living conditions weren't so bad because we stayed in a house that our, our new tribe's coworkers had left while they were on furlough. But it was a simple wooden house, but it had beds and a system to catch rainwater to use for running water. And it had solar panels, so we had a freezer we could use um, for meat, for keeping meat during our time in the village, which was nice. What were those early days in the village like? Oh, man, yeah. Our first time in the village, it was like a dream come true. Because, I mean, just all the preparation with schooling, with support raising, just everything, and then finally getting to be there and do what we were trained to do. Um, I just remember riding up and down the river in the canoe, um, powered by a motor, and and just staring at the jungle and thinking, this is what I was meant to do. And so all those feelings um, during those times. But then the second village session was when I started understanding 
more about what people were saying about me um, in the language. And then I, I started to have some big culture shock in the second, second session. <laughs> Can you share with us what were some of the, the comments? Oh, just um, I started to understand, you know, what they would say because they compare their culture with ours all the time and say, oh, you know, look what they're doing, you know, and then they kind of make fun of it or or maybe say like, oh, they don't they think that you don't understand what they're saying. And so then they talk about you or talk about your kids or talk about anything. And then once they started realizing that I was understanding what they were saying, then they would tell the other woman, she understands now, she understands now. (laughs) And so it was a little bit like, oh, you know, just realizing how people are looking at you. What particular challenges in language learning did you face with your children? Uh, Well, yeah, 99, uh, probably 99% of my language learning sessions have been um, with the kids with me. And so, as you can imagine, it wasn't ideal. And there are plenty of interruptions and extra noise during the sessions with my language helper. With the way it is in village life, um, my husband, Sean, wasn't often able to watch the kids for me. And so there was basically no other option. And so I made it work. And, and also in the culture, no respect a woman goes anywhere alone in the culture. And so my language helpers always brought at least one child with them when they came, usually a young girl of three or four. So there were definitely some advantages like uh, solidarity with the women and the fact that our language learning sessions had to be less goal or task oriented and a lot more about interacting and making a visit of it complete with a snack. So I always had to think about what to make for a snack. And we learned a lot from each other about mothering styles and each other's cultures, which was always fun. And the kids would sometimes play together, which was an added bonus as well. In addition to meeting with a language helper, what were some of your other language learning strategies? We just had a, an awesome language learning coach, um, Dave Eberhard, who coached us through the growing participator approach. He told us two extremely helpful things. He told us, first of all, to put down the pencil. And so we didn't do any transcriptions at the beginning. Um, just had lots of listening, lots of visiting to the communities and um, just allowing the right side of our brain to flourish. And um, and the second thing he said was not to focus on linguistic analysis till we reached a level three of the GPA, which I think was actually really good for us and key in our ministry and was worthy of the commitment. So anyway, now now we've been able to play catch up on the analysis recently. I know that you had, that you have a third child. Um, was oh, she, right. Yes, Linnea, when was she born? Was she born during that village period? Yes, yeah, she was born um, 2018. So I was pregnant during several village sessions. And then even when she was a newborn, we took her into the village with us. What were some of the language things that you learned during your pregnancy? Oh, yes. I I took full advantage of being pregnant to ask all kinds of questions and of women about pregnancy. And they have quite a large list of do's and don'ts, what you can't eat, what you can't do when you're pregnant so that your baby won't have certain problems. In general, how did your language learning grow because of these relationships with other mothers? Oh, yeah. Just the fact that you have kids and they... They have a unique love and interaction with the kids in a way that they, they don't have, you know, with us because we're, 
we're outsiders and we're different and we're white and we're adults but with the kids they don't have those kind of barriers and so it's just really neat to see them interact with the kids and accept them in a way that they wouldn't accept us well how about talia and caleb and and their language learning oh yeah they um it's kind of interesting to say or hard to say because a lot of people assume that the kids are experts in the language already or speak better than we do. But it's just not that that way because of how hard it is to just let them go out and play with the kids in the village because it's not safe. There's a lot of just dangers that they would face if we let them do that. And so if, if we wanted them to go and interact with the other kids, we would have to be there watching them to see that they didn't go anywhere we weren't watching or, um, you know, their interactions with the other kids and everything too. So the best language time that they had learning the language was when we would visit a community for a week or so and we would stay there and we had our own little hut there and I would just sit on the porch of the hut with other women and then I could look out and watch Talia and Caleb as they played with a couple girls who lived nearby. And so um, that's probably when they grew the most in the language. Well, I want to go back to Sean, and you said it wasn't cultural, really, for him to give you language learning time. Can you explain that? Right. It's just um, the man's role in the village is just to be on call, basically, and to be out and about. And so even if he was watching the kids, there would be someone who would come up and visit and need his attention, and um, it would be hard for him to do to do both, you know, watching the kids and visiting or helping them with a motor or whatever it was. And so it was just a lot easier for me to be who, if I was already having language session in the house to be keeping the kids there. So, I mean, he would be always making visits and always um, having visitors. It's like, he's the guy (laughs) in the village. Like people come, they want to see him, they want his help. And, and so it's just, it was easier for me to stay with the kids. Can you tell us about a specific time when you were especially encouraged in your language learning? Yeah, um, I would say one of the times we were very encouraged was um, when New Tribes did a language evaluation of me and Sean and our other New Tribes coworkers. They just, they did the evaluation. They said, wow, you guys, they really encouraged us and said, you guys are doing really well you've reached a pretty decent level considering how long you've been in the village and, you know, just saying good job. And then they said something that, you know, brought me to tears. They said, Sean's um, language level is especially high. And, and then they just understood that his success reflected my support of his learning. I really felt that a lot of times my role was to hold down the fort and keep things together on the home front. And so I just appreciated that they, they saw that. By the, time that you had the assessment, if we use that scale of one to five, where do you think you were on that scale? Um, I was like a low, low level three, and then Sean was a high level three getting into four. And that was after how much total time in the village? Well, we went back and forth from the village to town, but total time in the village was about a year and a half. Melissa, when you do go back to South America from Canada, your children will probably be at what ages? 
yeah, Talia will be seven. Caleb, or sorry, she'll be eight. Talia will be eight. Caleb will be six. And Linnea will be two. So how will your language learning look differently because of their ages? Yeah, well, I have two in school now. And so it'll, it'll definitely be more of a responsibility on the homeschooling side. And also Linnea as a two-year-old is a lot busier than Linnea as an infant. So I'll probably need to adjust my expectations of myself again. But I still hope to work hard at it. And we'll just see, see how it goes. Also with the whole COVID crisis, we don't know when we'll be allowed back into the village. And language sessions might be over WhatsApp for a time as well. And what will that look like? Yeah, that'll be interesting. <laughs> but we're, I'm hoping to at least um, be able to try and get back into the language that way of talking with people and that way. And your linguistic work that you've just completed, how will that influence your language learning? Oh, man, it was a very big help and boost um, because we were able to see take a closer look in, at the grammar and for even for conversation, like realizing more of the discourse features and also um, case marking for certain verbs was very helpful to figure out and I think will be a big help for language learning. What is your goal for language learning and what level do you hope to achieve? I think level four is probably uh, realistic for me. And so I'm hoping I'm hoping that I can get there. And your goal for learning the language is? Oh, for being able to communicate clearly, I'm hoping to work some in, in translation and also in literacy. And so if I can communicate clearly and in the language, it'll facilitate both of those. And also just having relationships with the women. I want to go back to my question about encouragement. When were you encouraged? But I'd like to also ask you if you could tell us about a specific time when you were discouraged. Oh, man, I have a really, really good one for this one. <laughs> um, one Sunday, uh, we and our New Tribes co-workers were invited to a service, a church service downriver at a different village. And during the service, the SIBO leader of the service decided to spontaneously ask all of us missionaries to tell our testimonies in the language. And so talk about being put on the spot. We all, we all had to go up there and however rusty our language was or in the workings it was, we all had to tell our testimonies. But it went okay and we all got through it. And the leader stood back up and said, oh, those were good, uh, especially so-and-so's which was my female coworker's name. And then he said, oh yeah, and hers was much better than Melissa's. And oh man, that was just, I, I just couldn't hold back the emotions. And um, instead of breaking down crying in the service, I just went, you know, quietly slipped out and ran to a small hut close by where a mother was nursing her newborn. And I just sat in the hammock across from her and cried and cried. Um, of course, you know, the people are always comparing us to each other. And I've learned to develop some thick skin. But at that time, I just couldn't handle it. And when added to all the insecurities of, of self-doubt and not feeling like I was where I wanted to be in language, you know, it just all came flowing out. I'm wondering what the lady thought in the hut who was nursing. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone did. She did ask and I just said I wasn't feeling well. So (laughs) Melissa, how would you finish this sentence? If I hadn't been a mom learning the language, I never would have. All right. Yeah, I never would have had the neat experience of being pregnant at the same time as my primary language teacher and giving birth to our babies in the same month and then having language sessions where we got to hold each other's babies and laugh and talk about them and her baby going diarrhea all over our living room hammock, of course, too. (laughs) So those are just the fun um, experiences. Well, of course, we want to hear your super duper language blooper. But first, Melissa, what advice would you give moms learning language with small children? Uh, I guess I would just say uh, go for it and um, don't wait for conditions to be ideal, but also get help. Um, Sean was always encouraging me to to get help to do things around the house so that I could be freed up to learn the language and I hired women to do my dishes for me even for five days a week when I first went back into the village with a newborn. I just knew with a newborn and trying to juggle everything, it would be crazy. And they were, they were thrilled. I mean, the women there are thrilled, always thrilled to have income and wanted to help. And oh, whenever I left the village, they would say, I still want this job when you get back. So they're just very helpful, which is nice too. Will you be going back to the same village and with the same relationships? Yes, Lord willing, if after the the COVID crisis, probably we should be going back into the same situation, which will be really good. Well, I wish you all the best, Melissa. Now, can you tell us about your super blooper? Sure. I I had a hard time thinking of a good one. I know there are plenty, but uh, but I have a good one involving sociolinguistics that I like to tell. So one of my language teachers, I would always ask her to do something using a a modal suffix, which translated into English would be something like, would it be impossible for you to bring me some bananas when you come next time? And my teacher finally told me, don't ask me like that. Just tell me, bring bananas when you come next time. Because when you ask the other way, it sounds like you think I wouldn't want to do it for you. And, and in the culture in general, it's, it's much more acceptable just to request with commands um, rather than hedging, you know, like we do in English. So <laughs> that was one of those aha moments. When you thought that you were being considerate and nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And please tell Sean and the kids hello and tell them thank you as well. Thanks so much. Will do. Thank you. 